Doing Double, the podcast where we get turned and talk about tunes. I'm Emma. And I'm Celeste. And this week's theme is sad. Hella <laughs> sad. So sad. I was not expecting our second episode officially to be so goddamn depressing, but strap in bitches. Yeah, get ready to cry your balls off. <laughs> All right, what are we drinking this week, Emma? Well, classic be sad fashion we are drinking white wine from a box aka franzia i didn't know there was other boxed wines but this is all i know so whatever are there other boxed wines i don't know this is all i've ever seen (laughs) that's all i've ever seen too they have the monopoly on boxed wine probably other companies were probably just like i'm not gonna put mine in a box the box says 34 glasses and that's why i chose it we've downed maybe six already no only four really i feel oh i did two shots <laughs> in addition to the francia okay so sad so all of our songs that we've picked today are gonna be sad or sad to us at least yes and uh okay yeah strap in strap on <laughs> strap. that too if that's what you're into <laughs> wink wink then you won't be sad anyway what's your first song celeste well Okay, so for my songs, I wanted to pick two songs that weren't identical in genre or in basic composition. I always had this song in mind, and I didn't want to pick another song that was like a pop indie song that was just a guitar, that was just a piano. I wanted to mix it up a little bit, but this was the song from the start that I knew I was going to do. So I chose Liability by Lord off the album Melodrama, released in 2017. And I fucking love her. (laughs) I saw her live in New York fucking city the week this was released, but it was a couple days before it released. So she played a couple songs from this album, but not this one. And then I saw her again three months later and it was goddamn magical when she sang this song. She moved forward to the front of the stage. She sat down and everybody just like put their lighters up like they do in movies. And she sat down and just sang to us. There was nothing behind her. It was pitch black on the fucking stage. And it was just her serenading us. It was gorgeous. I love this woman. She is my queen. And I will fight anyone who says that she isn't the goddamn best female vocalist to ever exist. She's awesome. But... I looked up the definition of specifically the word liability, and it was extremely depressing and relevant. So the definition of liability in a singular sense is a person or thing whose presence or behavior is likely to cause embarrassment or put one at a disadvantage. Ouch. Super depressing and very relevant. So, considering she's the liability in the song, yes, exactly. So, that goes into the song. And I will always, I'll probably say this every fucking time, even though y'all, y'all will know eventually. I pick a lyric that has to do with the theme and my favorite lyric. So, the lyric that has to do with the theme is I'm a little much for everyone, which she says at the end of every chorus. And it's just so depressing and it ties into that sadness of no one will ever be able to handle all that I am. And then my favorite lyric says he made the big mistake of dancing in my storm at the end of verse one. Gorgeous, poetic, simple, but so delicate. I just love her poeticism she brings to music. 
and why this album did not get more popular is so goddamn confusing to me. Was it not? No. Oh, God, no. Because she was on the radio for singing Royals. Yeah. And then her song off of this green light was on the radio for a little bit. But this album, like, no other songs got on the radio. She was not super, like... It was obviously super famous, but I just feel like it deserved way more than it got. And ballads tend to not be hits on the radio, I think. No. And this wasn't selected as a single. No, but it had some others. You know, Perfect Places could have made it onto the radio. I didn't expect like the Louvre to be, but Sober could have been. It was very hard for me to watch <laughs> because I listened to the song on repeat constantly when it came out. I learned and memorized every word before I saw her in September of that year and even like stood in the crowd and sang along to every word. And I remember somebody coming up to me and being like, oh my God, you know, every goddamn word. And I was like, yeah, I fucking do. <laughs> Not only that, but the first time I saw her, Jack Antonoff was on stage with her, which is the guitarist from Fun, the lead singer of The Bleachers, who helped her write everything and did the piano for this piece. Ooh. So it was more special to me to be able to see that. If we're going to delve into this um, song now, <laughs> the whole album is about being in your 20s and trying to enjoy life and falling in and out of love. But this song specifically is about thinking that you're too much for people, of thinking that... You're going to do something that's going to disappoint somebody, that you're going to do something that's going to make somebody run away, that's going to scare somebody off. And I think that's not super common in music. I think it's beautiful. And the way that she sings it on top of the piano is gorgeous. And I think that the emotion in her voice is gorgeous. The one of the lyrics I really want to bring up is at the end of the first chorus when she says we slow dance in the living room but all that a stranger could see is one girl swaying alone stroking a cheek and it's about how she has this intense relationship and love with herself and how whenever things go down and things get bad she always knows she can run to herself and that's so rare to have that kind of self-assurance and that's so beautiful, but it's also so lonely. And she brings that together so well that she's always been so sure of herself. She's always known who she is. She's always been comfortable with herself. But even in her darkest moments, she's all she has. Despite being comfortable, or as she states later, better on her own, she still has these securities with other people that she's going to be too much, that she's not enough. She's comfortable with herself but she's still not good enough for other people or she's too much for them. And it's hard to listen to because you can hear all of the emotion in her voice, especially when she says, until you're gone, better on my own. She just screams the word gone and then goes, better on my own. And it's very solemn. It goes down in notes. It's so soft and beautiful. And it sounds like she's singing it to herself. It's so beautiful. And the composition on top of the piano of Jack Antonoff is gorgeous. The one note I wrote is she sings with a sort of inevitability. Like there's no other option. She's going to end up alone. She's going to end up in this place. She's going to end up back with just herself. And she doesn't really have faith that she's going to find somebody who can handle her, her, as she keeps repeating, wild side. And I love that. She's got this big energy. 
and that they love that passion until they realize that that passion doesn't go away. And she's just a wild person. And she's got a fear of being so wild that people will always leave her and an inevitability that that will happen. And that is why I love Liability by Lord. What do you think, Emma? I have thoughts on this. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I do. I love that you mentioned the part where she says, until you're gone. Because in the gone, you can hear the reverb behind her. Her voice just echoes, which just makes it feel so empty. And I, I love that part of it. I really liked this song. I was so excited to listen to this. I listened to it over and over and over again. It was so interesting to listen to because it starts with like six seconds of silence. You can hear kind of a man's voice in the background. I don't know if you could hear that, but in the first six seconds, you hear like a weird male, like muffled voice. And then it leads into the piano and it's so somber from the start. And then Lord's classic husky voice chimes in. And and this is the first ballad she ever did. I feel like her voice fits so perfectly into this type of song. It adds an extra element of heartbreak because her voice is so raspy and it does break a little bit throughout the singing, which just adds to it. And for being such a short song, it's only two minutes and 51 seconds or something like really? that. Yeah, for being so short, it hits so hard it like left me wanting more almost but it was so perfect just how it was yeah and then she did a reprise of the song it's really interesting because it kind of brings in that whole point that like this whole album is about being like 20 well maybe all this is the party maybe all this is all i have to offer you right now and it really adds to it. And it's interesting because I read that she initially wanted this song to be like a little rap, part of a rap breakdown or something. And so there was this image of being at a party and going to a room by yourself and having this little liability breakdown mm-hmm. in the middle of a rap song. And she initially didn't even want to turn this into a song because she didn't want it to be just this ballad. I'm so glad she did because it was so good. It's so heartbreaking from the get-go mm-hmm. with that initial imagery of Lord dancing around in her living room by herself, slow dancing, knowing that it's just her so heart-wrenching the main imagery of that that really is heartbreaking to me when she says swaying alone stroking the cheek it's a very calming image but you would see her alone yeah it's so lonely and i love that it it speaks of self-love but it still feels lonely within that like that's not what she initially wanted yeah she does definitely still have herself and loving herself but She went in hoping for this other person to love her, and they didn't. And so she just goes right back to herself, which is so tragic. But it's also beautiful that she has herself to fall back on. Absolutely. And I love the extension of the word everyone in the Mm -hmm. chorus, where she goes, eh, oh, no, 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 everyone. So good. It it just adds more emphasis to that feeling of being alone. And just the overall feelings of loneliness, hopelessness, and almost resignation, despite trying to love yourself in that process, hurts so much to listen to. It's so relatable. It seems like it almost goes from the smaller rejection of a lover not wanting you or thinking you're too much for them 
to Lord's fame and an audience not Oh yeah. She sings her. a lot about that. Yeah, and it seems like the song touches on that, just not only relationships and self-love, but fame. The second verse, I think, goes into that a little bit. I'm just a toy. The people enjoy till all of my tricks don't work anymore. And then they get, and then bored, they get bored of me. me. Yeah. Just relating it to such a an intimate, close relationship to the larger relationship you have with the rest of the world and feeling that same way and and so hard to deal with and uh like most songs go into i think not being enough for someone yeah and you rarely hear a song that's about being too much for somebody that's what i love i think this is an untouched kind of niche you know i have so much to give and people don't want all of that right and am i exuding too much yeah. for the rest of the world and how do i deal with that she even says she's a forest fire you know she's blazing she's hot how do you dial that down for someone or should well, you and even? even before that the lyric leading up to that is she's so hard to please but she's a forest fire yeah and then i'm curious about the final line where it says i'm gonna disappear into the sun i don't know my kind of interpretation is just she's gonna become famous Mm. or she's going to become in the spotlight and you're going to regret it i hope it's like that because i i take two different meanings from it and i don't know which one to stick to i see that point of like i'm gonna show all of you you're gonna watch me disappear into the sun and just be a fucking flame and i'm gonna accept myself for who i am and be okay with it or is it more so resigning to being alone forever and just a statement of succumbing to that loneliness and being destroyed by it, being burnt up by it. And it's hard to tell because the melody is so somber at the end. It, it ends on a lower note. So does that mean the latter? Or is she saying she's still going to you know, show everybody what she can be and she's going to be happy with herself? But I love that. It's so... It's sad, but it's all. it also touches on self-love that you don't hear a lot in music. And that's my takeaway. <laughs> I got drunk really fast. Hey, me too. But I really enjoyed this song. I'm glad. Well, what is your first song, though? Oh, well. I hope you brought a song. I brought two songs. Fantastic. Yeah, I count them, too. My first song is Exit Music in parentheses for a film by Radiohead, a.k.a exit music for a film my <laughs> exit music for a film by radiohead off of the album okay computer the album was released in 1997 this song technically released in 1996 because it was played at the end <laughs> of the movie romeo and juliet starring leo dicaprio and claire danes in 1996 Baz Luhrmann, the director of Romeo and Juliet, sent the last 30 minutes of that film to Radiohead and requested that they write a song that could be played during the end credits of the film. So Radiohead watched the last 30 minutes of this film. They immediately started writing this song for the end credits, hence the title, Exit Music for a Film. And Tom York of Radiohead actually already had a love for Romeo and Juliet. He had watched Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet from 1968 when he was like 13 years old he watched it and bawled his eyes out and he didn't understand why they didn't just elope after getting married and spending the night together and he kind of wrote about that perspective 
in this song. So he opens with wake from your sleep, the drying of your tears. Today we escape. We escape. Pack and get dressed before your father hears us. So he he presents this idea of them deciding to run away together, to live together forever. And as the song progresses, it gets to the actual event that happens of it not working out and they don't end up running away together. They die with the line. And now we are one in everlasting peace. And uh, this song was featured in Westworld and Black Mirror. Westworld? Yeah. Holy shit, where, when? I don't know the details. It's, uh, it's making a comeback. Like it was in things in the 90s and now it's in things again. And it works for such dramatic storytelling, this song. But uh, it quietly leads in with a single acoustic guitar at the beginning. It's just the simple strumming of that guitar. And then a subtle ghostly reverb happens on the very first line. So right when he says his first line, wake, the wake echoes. And then from your sleep happens. And it's so haunting already from just start it's very somber at one point in the song there's like a a synthetic choir of angels almost that come in and take over the background of this song and then when it builds even higher than that there's like a blown out distorted bass and then the drums pick up and the song just builds it starts very slow and quiet and somber and it builds to such a high point and it really the last 30 minutes of this film are so heartbreaking and then to have this song play right when the credits start rolling at the end of the film just adds to the tragedy and the heartbreak it's the perfect song to end an incredibly sad scene from one of the most tragic stories ever the first verse of the song mentions today we escape which is extra heartbreaking knowing that they actually don't end the story they just die they don't ever get to be together again I love the double meaning that the song title has. So it's literally exit music for a film, but then it's also kind of the exit music for Romeo and Juliet themselves. And then it it ends with Tom York, the singer's voice, kind of cracking with his dying wish of vengeance on the parents that he's speaking about in the song with the line, we hope that you choke. And it ends basically with them dying, not getting to be together and hoping that the father chokes on his words and his rules. And that's how it ends. It's so sad. And the the way the song kind of starts very melancholy and then builds up towards the end, it kind of reminds me of the line in Romeo and Juliet by Friar Lawrence, these violent delights have violent ends. I don't know if that means anything, but the song just kind of gets very like violently loud at the end. That blown out bass, the choir behind him, his voice getting very loud, very reminiscent of Johnny Cash. Um, it all just builds so loudly and violently at the end. And that's how the story is. And I've cried so many times to this song just after, after watching this movie As soon as we picked the theme sad, this is one of the first songs that immediately came to my mind. I just remember crying to the end of Romeo and Juliet, and then this song started playing and just made the crying keep happening. And I wanted it to be my first choice because I love Radiohead. 
in general. And this is such an interesting Radiohead song and very different from most of their stuff. I know most of their stuff is different already, but this is a very unique song that I don't think a lot of people have really heard. My favorite line from this song is, now we are one in everlasting peace and we hope that you choke. I feel like that just defines the song as a whole and the story as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah, they don't make it out together. All they can hope for is that the parents who basically caused this learn their lesson. Those lines are, are sung at a point in the song where it does build to a crescendo. You feel all of the feels that you're supposed to feel during this yeah. song. And it's so good. And I, I think it's a super sad song. And um, that was my first choice for sad. And if you guys don't know it, you should listen to it because it's super sad. <laughs> I really, really, really liked this song. You did? I loved it. And I think most of the point is just that the lyrics themselves are pure poetry. In the same way that I write poetry where it was like each line is simple. Where it starts with, you know, a word is an entire line. And he stretches it out. And he makes sure that he enunciates and really draws attention to every word he's saying and that's poetry to me it's gorgeous and it's so soft and acoustic at first on top of the way that as i just said he's splitting up each lyric and word is very dramatic and very wholesome and drawing and the prolonging of it is a desire. It's really beautiful the way that they do that to begin with. And then it gets very dark and ominous immediately. And past that dark and ominous, I think I was confused. <laughs> it's got some weird sounds at about two minutes, 20 seconds. Oh yeah. Yeah. Super weird. It almost sounds like there's just people in the background. That was the only part of this that I didn't like is I was like, they could do without that. And this would be a fan fucking tastic song. It's already great, but it really took away from it for me to add those sounds. They brought it back. They went back to that ominous vibing sound, but they added more drums. They made it more rock and roll towards the end when they start singing the I hope that you choke line. It starts getting really dark, really ominous. And I could feel so much emotion, mainly from the music in the way that they really brought it all together throughout the different verses and pulled it back together towards the end with the drums and really made it dramatic when he starts singing that I hope that you choke. And I loved that. And the lyric that you said earlier, in everlasting love, we'll be together in everlasting love or whatever Peace, it was. Yeah. I knew exactly when I heard that, that this was a Romeo and Juliet song. It was obvious from that line, but the rest of it didn't seem obvious. He sings about like, oh, well, if your parents find out. But then the tone of the music behind the lyrics is so dark and ominous that you can kind of catch on to it when you hear that one line. And I loved that because, like I said, it was very poetic. It was very dark. It was very drawing in. And all together was such a beautiful piece to bring it all together. And then, you know, to know that it was written for Romeo and Juliet is fan freaking tastic i didn't really know that it's really cool to me because i got that sad kind of like well our parents can't find out and then oh but we'll die for this love kind of vibe regardless yeah. and i think that's awesome oh yeah well <laughs> <laughs> 
What's your next song, Celeste? For my second and final song, I wanted to think of the saddest possible song I could think of. And so I chose Hello by Evanescence. Hello. Off, sorry. <laughs> off of their debut album, Fallen, released in 2003. And this album itself means a lot to me. I have, I know most every song off this album and I have for most of my life because my parents have been fans my entire childhood and they've been fans for a very long time so I've known this story for a very long time and I've always personally thought of this as like the saddest song it's it's a heartbreaking story which I'll get into it in a minute and it's this story told over the sound of a gentle piano with a violin and strong amazing incredible unbelievable vocals from the beautiful and talented amy lee and the fun fact about this is that she doesn't usually write from start to back the songs from evanescence but she did completely and entirely write this song all by her lonesome mm-hmm. i love that because I, I didn't know that she didn't usually write all of the songs yeah we'll go into the lyric that i relate to the theme which is when she says don't try to fix me i'm not broken which i think is a gorgeous line and extremely telling of the tone of the entire song it's dark it's beautiful and it's literally my entire life and then my favorite line is when she says hello i am your mind giving you someone to talk to hello in the first verse and the thing about that that really really kills me is she repeats hello at the beginning and end like she's waiting for a response yeah oh ouch so that's what makes it more depressing when i tell you the story which is that this song was written by amy lee about her sister's death so she was six when her sister passed away and her sister was three and this entire song is not just about her sister's death, but it's about the idea of death from the perspective of a child. So that's why the opening lyrics are school bells ring, rain clouds come out to play again. It's about how she was on the playground when she found out that her sister had died. And that's why the lyric, has no one told you she's not breathing, is so haunting to me. And the whole, I mean, the whole song is just absolutely depressing. Of course. And the most interesting and heartbreaking fact is that Amy Lee and Evanescence have never performed this song live. She has never performed this live because she does not have the strength to do it. It's heartbreaking. It's a whole song from the perspective of a child who doesn't understand what death is. It's her saying, I know that when I'll wake up, she'll be there again, but she won't be. Or I am your mind giving you someone to talk to because she doesn't understand that her sister's not going to be there when she wakes up in the morning. Or suddenly I can't sleep and she doesn't understand why. It's really heartbreaking because she's so young. She's six years old when this is happening. She doesn't understand why this is happening to her. And her vocals hold on to that whole entire story in pain in a really heavy way especially just the way her voice kind of breaks in certain ways when she says certain words, you know, don't try to fix me, I'm not broken, because she doesn't understand what's wrong. She doesn't understand why she's so sad. So why would you try to fix her? She's fine. Nothing's happened. Her sister 
will come back sometime. And that's what's so hard. And that's why I've always held this song in a really special place in my heart is because it's so devastating and it's always, I don't know. I've just, it's probably the saddest song I've known for the longest time because my parents showed it to me so young. I've known this whole album for my entire freaking life, not entire life, but like most of it. And it's got this beautiful ignorance of a child saying she'll be waking up and everything will be okay. She'll always be missing her sister. And she talks about it in other songs, but it's just heartbreaking and it's beautiful. And it's, it's interesting to me because she takes it from such a juvenile perspective. Yeah. And it seems like at a certain point in the song, she comes to terms with the fact that this isn't a nightmare, that this is real. And it reminds me of those stages of grief being in denial at first and then finally coming to terms with it and to be six years old trying to comprehend all of that that's a lot and to just be in school when you find out that your sister has passed away and she's basically a baby and you're still a baby and you don't know what to do with those feelings so you just pretend that that didn't happen That's so tragic. And the very first sound that you hear when this song plays, I think it's a guitar slide that slides down. It's right before the piano at the beginning, and it's so uncomfortable. It already immediately puts you in a discomfort, like, what am I about to hear? And I imagine that's, it kind of represents what it must have felt like a little bit, just the, the just uneasy discomfort of the situation that you're in and then that tragic piano starts playing and Amy Lee's chilling voice just fits this song perfectly and for it to be about something that she has a personal stake in is even more it it hits even harder and then there are those string instruments in the background that just any sad song has really like if you want to make a sad song sadder put some violins in the back yeah (laughs) and it just it works so well with the piano and her voice and the theme of the song and and I wonder listening to it if the hello is uh, like the hello is the voice in her head right that's I can't tell I can't tell if it's the voice in her head keeping her company I can't tell if it's her reaching out to her sister thinking that's gonna have a response I can't tell if it's her trying to reach out to her sister knowing there's not going to be a response and it's her last chance to say something. I don't know. I don't know. All of those options are so undeniably heartbreaking. Yeah. No matter what it is, it's so lonely. That hello is just her regardless and so sad and so lonely. And for that to be how it ends too, (laughs) most of our songs kind of end on a tragic note. Or uh, a note that you don't know if it's tragic or not. It's it's left open, ended, or sad. <laughs> and this one especially. The whole thing, uh, even when she has some high notes, even when she hits some high notes in the song, there's never a feeling of hope or ease. It's tragic from start to finish. And it's hard to listen to, knowing that it is written from a personal experience. It was very hard. And I think that the hardest part of it for me is that she does end all of the choruses and verses, or I think it's verses. She tries to end with that hello, where it's almost a call and response. She's waiting for someone to say hello back. Or if it's her just saying hello to her sister because she doesn't know how else 
to talk to her or if it's her mind speaking to her because she's looking for some sort of consolidation in all of this death and darkness that she didn't know was going to happen. There's so many dark, dark places you can go with that. But that hello in general is the most heartbreaking part. Anyways, let's just keep bringing it down. Downtown, all the way down to Sadness Town. That's where we live, Emma. This is our territory. I'm the mayor of Sadness Town. Big move. <laughs> so what is your second song now that we've gotten really depressing already? Do you want to hate your wife right now? Yes. <laughs> well, good. Good thing. I have a song for you. Are you sitting down? You can see me. The answer is yes. Audience, are you sitting down? Maybe. <laughs> Sit your ass down. Sit down. It's time for Take a motherfucking seat. Take a drink. <sighs> I dreamed a dream from Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Les Miserables. I can't do a French accent, but it's Les Mis. Fantastic. I'll just say all French words for you from now on. <laughs> Thank you. That's right. You speak French. Mildly. <laughs> un piquito? Uh, juste un peu, oui. Okay. <laughs> cool. Oui, oui, is what I gotta do right now. Anyways, Les Mis. Have you seen it? <laughs> no, I have not, Emma. I felt very, like, interrogatory. Interrogative? Inter interrogative. Not interrogatory? Interrogatory is not a fucking interrogatory? word. I swear to God, it's not. No, it's not? Interrogatory? Interrogatory? Just listen to that. It sounds perfect. It is dog shit. Interrogative sounds like not the word that I'm saying. <laughs> okay, then let's just go with... Do I sound interrogate -y? <laughs> we are going to skip any fucking conjugation of that word that you can possibly come up with because it's terrible. Every single one of them are terrible. I sound like I'm being an interrogator <laughs> right now. I sound like I'm interrogating him. Have you seen Flame is Rob? Look. <laughs> Emma, you're my favorite. And the answer is fucking no, I have not. Even though I want to, I have not. You have seen no rendition of such? I have not seen any such rendition, Emma. Fucking, I was about to say your last name, but redacted. What is it? Do you know it? Is that why you redacted? Is that why you were redactatory? <laughs> All right, we want to get into some sad ass sad shit. I'm fucking down. We're already in sounds. Sadstown is what I was gonna say. <laughs> Soundstown is also sad town where we is are. Just sound. We're in sad town and sa soundstown. Sad sound town. Sad sound town. I don't know why I added a D. I'm so sorry. No, I'm down for sa sa sad sound town. <laughs> 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 okay, so let me preface this song, much like the last song I talked about, with the story behind it. Let me guess, it's from a movie? Oh yeah. <laughs> you know me. I love the talkies. What can I say? I love them moving pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a, an act, actually it was a book. And then it was a Broadway musical. And then it was the movie. Maybe there were some other things in between, but I don't know. This song, hands down, won Anne Hathaway the Oscar for this film for Best Supporting Actress. It's a five-minute scene. Wait, she's the supporting? Yeah. She's in the movie for maybe 30 minutes. So, a little backstory. Lame is takes place in France during the 1830s. This song is sung by the character Fontaine, who... 
basically she has a child that she doesn't have custody of, but she works to send money to, to give her a good life. She gets fired from her job and ultimately has to go into prostitution to continue paying for her child. She ends up selling her hair and her teeth, and she just descends very quickly into utter dismay with her life. Initially, this song came about in the, in the musical right after Fontaine gets fired from her job. So she sings lamenting of the life that she thought she was going to have and wanted to have and instead has this horrific life that she did not want. But the reason why I choose this rendition of I Dreamed a Dream from the film is because they switched it up a little bit. They, rather than putting the song right after she gets fired, they put it after she's already become a prostitute and gone through all of these horrific ordeals. In the movie, she it like shows a really quick scene of her hair getting shaven completely, her teeth being pulled out of her mouth, her laying, lying on a bed in the middle of nowhere, getting intimate with a, a stranger because she's a prostitute. And then right after he leaves, she sings this song. It is in the darkest moment of her life that she's ever experienced. To put it during this part of the story just emphasizes the anguish in that like depressing descent into that prostitution and, and into that life that she never thought she would have. It hurts from the moment the song starts. It doesn't even start with music. It starts with that, uh, that prologue of her almost speaking about how things used to be or how th she thought things used to be. There was a time when men were kind, when their voices were soft and their world inviting. There was a time when love was blind and the world was a song and that song was exciting. And then it leads into the song with the very, again, tragic violins, string instruments in the background. You want to make a song sad? You add some violins to the background. And this song does that too. And it has a very soft plucking of a guitar, maybe a mandolin, just a very soft string instrument. And the way her voice starts so softly and broken from the get-go. And then eventually it, it just builds into that crescendo of tragedy at the end. My favorite line from the song is, there are dreams that cannot be, and there are storms we cannot weather. That just hits harder than any part of the song, any other part of the song for me. She's basically talking about this life she thought she would have and she didn't end up having and all of these difficult things she's had to go through instead and how the world has just taken everything from her through no fault of her own. And yet she still hopes that she'll be okay in the end, but she's accepting that that's not going to happen. That line is so relatable to really anything any struggle we might be going through sometimes it just it really seems like anything you were hoping for for yourself sometimes you you feel like it's never gonna happen and you just you're not gonna get through it and she resigns to that feeling at the end of the song and the end is that way there's no hope at the end of it with the lord song maybe it's a little bit of hope that she's gonna show the world that she's gonna be better with this song, it's the opposite. It's life has killed the dream I dream. And that is how it ends. There is no hope at the end of the tunnel. And great thing happens after the song. She fucking dies. She contracts tuberculosis and she dies. So it, it's not happy. It never is happy. 
And this song is just the epitome of sadness and loss of hope and resignation. And I love Anne Hathaway's version specifically, because especially if you watch that scene in the film, but even if you listen to it, it's so heartbreaking the way she sings and she's not perfect with her voice. And I love that. She focuses more on the actual emotion of what she's saying rather than being Broadway perfect for the song. And when her voice just cracks or doesn't hit that note because she's feeling it or she's crying, it just hurts so much to listen to. And knowing the story of what this person has gone through and that she knows that there's there's nothing she can do about it anymore and it's not going to get better and that's just how it's going to be that's so sad i can't think of a more sad fucking thing <laughs> to sing about Whew, and i can't help but cry listening to it and i love musicals so i had to pick a musical song because mm -hmm. this is my favorite song from a musical ever it's not my favorite musical by far, but this is my favorite song from a musical because it just hits so hard and you can feel it on so many levels. You don't even have to like musicals and you could probably like this song, I think. It's such a good song on its own. And that's why I picked it because it's sad and I love it. So my first note is please don't send me hate mail because I've never seen Les Mis. <laughs> but from there, um, it's kind of hard for me to have understood the context um having never seen it so it just kind of sounded like she like fell in love with someone who like really broke her heart and it was like the saddest like love ever and clearly there's so much more to it in her story and so much more just in general in the musical and i was completely sure that there was more than that because i know listening to her voice and how powerful it was and how angry it was it was so angry it was not just sad where she was just so angry that life could not go her way ever even once that she could do everything she could and nothing was good enough and she'd still get fucked over in the end and I got that completely and entirely. You could hear the voice cracking as she clearly breaks down into tears. You can hear everything that she's trying to convey from the lyrics, but mostly from her emotions and her voice. The way she sings and delivers the song is way more important and poignant to me than any of the lyrics. I didn't think that the lyrics really mattered. Like, of course they matter, but they didn't matter as much as her delivery. And I thought that the juxtaposition of her delivery with the music behind it was so interesting because I thought the music behind it was kind of uplifting. It is kind, it's very up beat it's got those string and jazz instruments that are kind of uplifting where you almost feel like in a typical music or musical this is the song this is the point where everything flips around and things go right now and things are good but it's not it's things get more depressing as she's singing but the music gets happier and like you said those lyrics where she was saying you know where she was like, she'd die. That's when the music itself, the composition of the instruments and the music, music behind her gets most uplifting. And I thought that was so interesting and vibrant and beautiful and devastating 
to hear that in contrast with what she was singing, even if I didn't fully understand like the context or what was happening. I think I personally wouldn't listen to this song. Um, you because, just when you watch the musical, you listen to yeah, it. Yeah, I just haven't seen this one. And so it's hard for me to listen to a song from a musical that I haven't seen, but I can still appreciate how much acting and beauty and composition and just everything that Anne Hathaway put into this because it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I love that part of the song where it builds that way, where the music continues to have that melody that she had at the beginning of the song where it goes up on a higher note but then her melody of singing changes to go down it's such an interesting juxtaposition and feels so much more tragic when you listen to what she sang during that part because it almost fucking it makes you want to feel that hope and then you hear what she's saying and it just takes that hope away completely I, th- I think it's even a little different when you watch the movie. This was recorded live, by the way. She recorded it live on set, and then they added the music in later. So this was all just her doing it in the moment. This was not in the recording studio. This was her acting right there, singing. And so you get to hear all of those little breaks in her voice and the imperfections. And it's almost as if she has a panic attack during the song, right at that part where the music and the melody and the melody of her singing kind of differ. She just like panics and like starts breathing and holding her face and she doesn't know what the fuck is happening to her life. And she had a dream her life would be so different from this hell she's living. And she is very angry. And then by the end of the song, the anger goes away. The sadness goes away. There is no expression on her face. And her voice loses all feeling. And it's just a monotone, basically, of life has killed the dream I dream. And she's just resigned to that's how it's going to be. And that's so sad. Yeah, that entire idea is completely devastating. That you've held on to this idea that things, even like the smallest thing, the the smallest dream that things will get even slightly better and they never do. Yeah. And I love that you appreciated it despite not knowing the musical behind it. And I felt like that would be a good song to choose because of that, that it could still kind of shine through what it was trying to get across. Completely. Yeah, that's all. All right. Should we choose our theme for next week? Oh, yeah, I guess we should. Give us a theme, Emma. What do we got? This is a big bowl of themes. You ready? I'm ready. The theme for next week is <gasps> hippity hop. I love me some hippity hop. So hip hop is the theme. If you guys didn't understand what the fuck I was saying. All right. We're going to do hip hop. I am a okay with that. It's not my favorite, but I definitely have some I really enjoy. So, oh, it's my favy, And I've got some flavies to lay down on the table, baby. <laughs> Emma is under arrest. I have personally handcuffed her and taken her away to the police station for everyone. I'm going to spit some bars when I'm behind these bars, picking themes out of this these jars. <laughs> we are way too white for this, but let's do it. Yeah, please don't be mad at us if we like hip-hop i really love hip-hop she does it's not my favorite but i can definitely appreciate certain artists so if i choose some super mainstream bullshit um you can all suck my dicks so whatever did you say dicks plural (laughs) (laughs) i do have not just one but plural dicks how many is plural not just one but 
plural yeah like 17 <laughs> oh my god <laughs> are you ready to wrap this up rippity wrap it you ready to wrap okay <laughs> so well thanks guys for tuning in um thank you for listening to our bullshit <laughs> somebody has to thanks for it being you we appreciate you this has been the hearing double podcast with celeste and emma if you want more of this shenanigans you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter at hearing double pd you can also visit our website hearing and view the show notes to get spotify links to all of our songs that we've talked about on this week and the past weeks and more than that if you really want it <laughs> if you have a song suggestion or an idea for a theme you'd like to send us you can send them to hearingdoublepodcast at gmail.com thanks for tuning in getting turned and hearing double, double.